Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Bart. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Thursday. It is heating up as we uh, go along here through the rest of this week. As far as the temperature goes, 75 degrees right now in downtown Champaign, headed for a high of about 89. That is the normal high roughly for this date, a little above normal. And pretty close to where we were last year. And so it's good to be with you again today on Penny for Your Thoughts. Had a very busy show yesterday. Was yesterday not a big news day? And there were so many stories. I was watching some of the newscasts in the afternoon and just one story after another after another. I mean, even after we got off here and we had a lot of discussion on the um, Governor Rauner story here locally, Talked to Tom Bruno, talked to Diane Marlin, talked to several people that were in Washington, D.C. Then the Supreme Court came down with its ruling on Janice and AFSCME and the unions and fees and everything else. So that was a hot topic. And then I go to lunch with uh, my friend Jim Shepard. I get back from lunch, and Ed goes, Anthony Kennedy just retired. And then that, you know, then official Washington, D.C. just about melted down. So. It was a busy, busy day yesterday. Busy show here on Penny. If you have some thoughts on any of the activities of yesterday, Justice Kennedy retiring, what that means for the Supreme Court. I've got a lot of reaction from a national perspective on that. May get some local reaction as well from you and others uh, here today. So certainly we can do that. We'll take that all the way up until 10 o'clock this morning after the news at 10. Greg Abbott has been with METCAD just about since it started. 38 and a half years, and uh, he's the deputy director of uh, MedCat. He's retiring tomorrow, going to move up to Madison, Wisconsin, into Badger country, but uh, he's next to last day is today. We're going to visit with him. So if you've got some thoughts, comments, questions for the deputy director of MedCat as we kind of look back at his career and how MedCat has changed over the years, what they've done with 911 and being able to get that with texting and everything else that goes on with MedCat, We'll do all that uh, in the second hour today. Tomorrow morning, we'll have an open line. We may remind you again of the Ice Cream and Independence event coming up on Sunday as we head for the 4th of July in less than a week. And then our Flashback Friday, last hour of the last Friday of the month, that is tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So we'll get it all started. We'll take our opening time out and visit with you, 356-9397. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling text line. That's always open and available. 217-351-5357. And the text line is great because we may be talking about something else, but you can always text in whatever you would like, and you may be able to steer the topic back the direction that you want to talk about. So that's where we kind of go on an open line. We can go back and forth on different things. Doesn't always have to be politics. Doesn't always have to be sports. It can be anything. But uh, that's the beauty of the open line. But if you've got something you want to mention, you can certainly do that. If you have a question or a comment on all the breaking news from yesterday, or you can email us as well. That's the other way to do it, talk at WDWS.com. We'll take our opening break. Back after this on Penny for Your Thoughts. Hi. 
Many for your thoughts here on DWS. If you're looking to sell your home, if you need to buy a home, if you need some help uh, planning for all of that, a couple of people that can help you with that are my friends Steve and Pam Starwald. They're the husband and wife team at Keller Williams. They are hands-on from start to finish. Once you contact them at 239-7156, they will walk you through the entire process. Buying or selling a home is a big deal. I mean, this is not like uh, going to the grocery store and buying milk. I mean, this is a big deal. you got a lot of things to think about. Uh, a couple of things to remember with Pam in particular. She's completed her training, earned a certificate, makes her a senior real estate specialist, and that uh, may- enables her to assist those maybe at this time in their lives they want to downsize if you're in that direction, or maybe you need a bigger home. Steve and Pam can help uh, get you set. They will uh, put together their outstanding team to work uh, with you and them on home inspections, lenders, Uh, Both uh, Steve and Pam grew up in Champaign-Urbana. They graduated locally. They know the area. They're here. They know us, and they know you. So uh, if you're wanting to sell, maybe you need two weeks or six months or a year, there's a no-cost consultation. Make sure you contact Steve and Pam with that. And uh, the phone number, again, 239-7156. If uh, that is actually Pam's uh, cell number, it'll roll over to her cell number. Uh, So if she's with a client, dial that number. She'll get right back to you. Uh, Steve has also helped to maybe make repairs along the way uh, to homes if needed to help with the with the sale value and so forth. So they, they're just there for you. They're on your team. They want to help. So uh, you can Google them. If you can't remember the phone number, Google Starwalt. You can Google Steve. You can Google Pam. They're usually right there, if not at the top of the uh, Google page, uh, right there, second, third, or fourth. So I've checked it out recently. But 239-7156 is the number to call Stephen Pam Starwalt, the husband and wife outstanding uh, team there at Keller Williams. They can help you every step of the way. All right, uh, let's see here. I got a text in right off the bat. As we uh, go to the uh, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515357, says, uh, now if we could get John F. Kennedy's 1962 executive order to give public employees the right to collective bargaining reverse, that would be a wonderful day for all the taxpayers across the country. Uh, This is from Dale. He says, we need to end the gold-plated benefits they receive while holding the governments and taxpayers hostage. When unions strike, it's always against the taxpayers. That is from Dale. An email in says, uh, from Mike in Champaign, he says, good morning, Brian. Have you noticed all the new fire trucks lately? They seem to be at a lot of non-fire calls at Walmart. I haven't noticed that. They look like normal cars and trucks. Obviously, these are not fire trucks. Weather has been nice, and people can't walk and need to park in the fire lanes. It says, why are people lazy? Walk, people. It's good for you. That is Mike in Champaign on the uh, email line. I don't, I don't think I've noticed that. I've been to and from Walmart a couple of times recently, but I don't know which Walmart you're referring to either. I assume the one in Champaign on North Prospect. All right, uh, there's a couple of uh, starters there. Again, a lot of... Reaction to uh, Justice Kennedy. I've got some interesting audio from 30 years ago I think you'll find to be interesting. Greg Abbott joins us in hour number two, retiring deputy director of METCAD. To the phones we go, and Hank is our leadoff hitter. Hi, Hank. Yeah, hey, Brian. How you doing? Good. Hey, glad to have you back. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the uh, Supreme Court. I think the last two decisions were common sense and right down the right down the line on what the Constitution is as far as the powers of the president and as far as the travel ban is concerned. 
And, uh, and also the uh, other decision that was rendered, uh, which is, again, another common sense uh, First Amendment right of association uh, with respect to uh, businesses uh, who, uh, when, uh, that, aren't, that shouldn't be forced uh, to, to pander or cater to certain radical elements who they, they, that they find morally uh, uh, objectionable. And uh, it, I think uh, with the First and Second Amendment being under attack, uh, by the left, the First Amendment in the case of these uh, PC fascists who, these thought police who want to control what we think or, or even say, uh, and I'm not defending racism here at all. I find people who make these racist remarks, these anti-Semitic remarks uh, are, are just totally reprehensible too. Uh, but to the point of where they're uh, trying to federally mandate certain attitudes uh, that are consistent with the uh, left-wing agenda, uh, you know, I find that rather pathetic. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I think also as far as uh, the retirement of Kennedy, I think uh, it's time uh, again, uh, and it's good to see that more than likely a uh, strict constructionist or what they call an originalist will be placed on a court uh, to counterbalance the, the, the four the four people voting block. Uh, that would be Kagan, Sotomayor, I think what Breyer, and I forget the... Uh, Ginsburg. The other. Ginsburg, mm -hmm. that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's getting more and more senile with each passing year. But it's, it's, it's uh, good to see that we're going to be putting people who aren't judicial activists who invent new laws or legislate from the bench, as, as uh, we are apt to say. Uh, and I think that's going to be really good for the Constitutional Republic in the long run, uh, even though I'm sure half, half the American people are appalled at that aspect. But um, I, I, I agree that the Constitution is a living document and that it has application to our lives today, that it's not technologically limited. If it is, then we don't have a First Amendment anymore because the Founding Fathers never envisioned, uh, you know, laptops and desktop and uh, emails and text and things like that. So that whole argument's so bogus when it's applied to the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I think it's uh, going to be good for this nation to, to go forward and to have people who really do respect the Constitution and aren't looking for ways to, or even looking at laws across the ocean and using that uh, and, mm -hmm. and justifying whatever invented rights or whatever else they would want to come up yeah. with to advance the, uh, the left-wing agenda. But anyway, uh, okay. it's good, uh, and it's encouraging. All right. Hey, thank you, Hank. Hey, thank you. You bet. Ryan. Yep. Uh, Mark Thiessen writes uh, in the Washington Post today. Uh, he says, for conservatives who voted for Donald Trump because of the Supreme Court, he says, congratulations, you've been uh, vindicated. He says uh, Trump uh, will have to break the mold of his Republican predecessors uh, if he would like to make an impact for the next generation. Over the last three decades, he says, presidents from his party have picked seven justices 
And he says uh, in this column, he says several have turned out to be disappointments to conservatives. Ron, uh, President Reagan picked three justices, Sandra Day O'Connor, Antonin Scalia, and uh, Anthony Kennedy, but only one, Scalia, was a consistent conservative. President George H.W. Bush picked one solid conservative, Clarence Thomas, and one David Souter, who was not. Uh, he says here in his column, George W. Bush did better, appointing Samuel Alito and John Roberts. He says, but even Roberts disappointed conservatives when he cast the deciding vote to uphold the Affordable Care Act. He says uh, liberals understand exactly what's at stake. And he says it will be a rough fight uh, in the Senate. Some Democrats saying the Senate should not confirm a Supreme Court justice during a midterm election year. This writer uh, says that the Senate confirmed uh, President Obama's appointee, Elena Kagan, in August of 2010, just before the midterm elections, and did so with a bipartisan 63-37 vote. Some of this, though, right now goes back to um, the last um, appointee by Obama, at least the uh, nominee that was never voted on uh, right before the, um, the big election a couple of years ago. So anyway, that's uh, some of the uh, commentary that is out there. Some of the headlines on the national level. It says preventing a partisan court from getting worse. Also, uh, who's on Trump's short list? I printed that out. There's some names on there you may or may not recognize. And they say that confirmation hearings for the next Supreme Court justice could come in August, floor debate in the fall. And some senators who are in, uh, maybe if you're a Democratic senator in a Trump one state, like West Virginia, for instance, Joe Manchin, who was the first Senate Democrat to announce support for Neil Gorsuch ahead of his Supreme Court nomination last year, will be a target. He's facing a tough race against the state attorney general there in West Virginia. Also, Susan Collins on the Republican side, always kind of a... Uh, Swing vote, if you will, or a moderate, I guess, in that sense, for a voting record. Lisa Murkowski of Alaska is another one. So you've got some on both sides in some uh, the Democratic senators in red states, and you've got Republican senators in blue states. And, of course, with John McCain uh, struggling with his health right now, it's, what is it, 50-49, I think, right now, Republicans in the Senate. So it's really tight. So get ready for a lot of theatrics here the next few months. 922, Anthony Kennedy was nominated, as I mentioned, by Ronald Reagan. Uh, and here is what he said. He was nominated 1987, February of 1988. They had a big reception in the uh, White House. Ronald Reagan was president. And here's what Anthony Kennedy said 30 years ago. It's appropriate to recognize an essential truth, and that is that the Constitution of the United States is the single fact the single reality, the single idea, the single moral principle that sets the United States apart from other nations now and throughout history. I shall honor the Constitution. And at this gracious assembly and ceremony, it is appropriate to note also that the presidency, the Congress, and the courts are committed to the Constitution into the rule of law, into the heritage of freedom. Thank you very much.
So that was Anthony Kennedy the day he was actually sworn in to the uh, Supreme Court. William Rehnquist uh, did the swearing in in the Reagan White House at that point in February of 1988. Ronald Reagan then spoke and talked about the judiciary, its role in the government. This goes about not quite two minutes, but it's just kind of interesting to uh, what was being said 30 years ago uh, by the Gipper, Ronald Reagan, uh, at the White House on the uh, Swearing in of Anthony Kennedy, who again retired yesterday. As Hamilton noted, the judiciary they created was the... I had trouble with that, didn't I? (laughs) The judiciary they created was the least dangerous branch because it had neither force nor will but merely judgment. And yes, the convention did discuss giving judges more expansive powers. There was a move to establish a so-called Council of Revision, a panel drawn from the courts that could veto legislation because it was dumb or distasteful, whether or not it was constitutional. I'm the only one that can do it because it's dumb or distasteful. (laughs) But Madison spoke for the proposal, and so did others. But in the end, the convention listened to a different voice, one not in the room on those hot summer days, yet heard clearly nonetheless, that of the French constitutional philosopher Montesquieu, who had warned that there is no liberty if the power of judging be not separated from the legislative powers. And so the role assigned to judges in our system was to interpret the Constitution and lesser laws not to make them. It was to protect the integrity of the Constitution, not to add to it or subtract from it, certainly not to rewrite it. For as the framers knew, unless judges are bound by the text of the Constitution, we will in fact no longer have a government of laws, but of men and women who are judges. And if that happens, the words of the documents that we think govern us will be just masks for the personal and capricious rule of a small elite. Well, Justice Kennedy has shown a consistence and a courageous dedication to preserving ours as a government of laws. And that's why I nominated him. There you go. 30 years ago, 1988, uh, that was all happening in the White House. When Justice Kennedy was sworn in yesterday, he announced his retirement and the um, battle to replace him, the nomination. It'll be coming up here. It'll be a hot summer in Washington, D.C., a hot summer in fall. All right, we'll take another quick break. Back with your phone calls, emails, and texts, 356-9397. You can text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515-357, or email us, talk at wdws.com. Back on Penny for your thoughts. American Illinois American Water winning the uh, championship last night. See you, Kiwanis uh, Little League Championship out at Zon Park. And they've got several different uh, little leagues. Another title winner was uh, first string Little League team. They won a, a Twin City Championship last night. A text in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line congratulating them as well. So we head here for the month of July, the 4th of July, coming up. In less than a week, we visited with some of the folks from the uh, Freedom Celebration Committee. Hopefully that was helpful to you yesterday, getting you ready for that. Greg Abbott, who's the retiring deputy director of MedCAD, will join us in hour number two uh, here today. 
And then tomorrow we have our Flashback Friday in the second hour of the uh, show tomorrow at 10 a.m. Some of the other uh, national news. We mentioned the uh, mobilizing going on for the replacement for Justice Anthony Kennedy. President Trump, uh, I guess uh, you've heard CBS mention this, uh, upcoming summit with the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, the White House, and the Kremlin announcing uh, today the two leaders would meet in Helsinki in Finland on uh, July the 16th. So that is going to come up in July. So after he had the big meeting with uh, Kim Jong-un of North Korea, going to have one with the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. And also uh, your Amazon packages. I know a lot of you get those. Usually show up in a brown UPS truck, an unmarked vehicle, or in the hands of a mail carrier. May soon be delivered from an Amazon van. The online retailer, wanting more control over how its packages are delivered, rolling out a program today that lets entrepreneurs in the U.S. launch businesses that deliver Amazon packages. They'll be able to lease blue vans with the Amazon logo stamped on it, buy Amazon uniforms for drivers, and get support from Amazon. In return, Amazon gets more ways to ship its packages to shoppers without having to rely on other package delivery services. With these vans on the road, Amazon said more shoppers would be able to track their packages on a map, contact the driver, or change where a package is left, all of which it can't do if the package is in the back of a UPS or FedEx truck. There's a couple of uh, national stories for you. got some local stories for you as well, uh, various ones. If there's a topic you'd like to bring up, feel free to do that. did find it interesting that the governor's mansion over in Springfield, of course, they've been uh, restoring it, $15 million renovation of the Illinois governor's mansion. A couple of the biggest donors are the two guys, uh, the two uh, major candidates running for governor in the state of Illinois. Bruce Rauner. I believe has donated, the Rounders have, he and his wife, at least a million dollars to the renovation of the governor's mansion in Springfield. J.B. Pritzker and his wife, M.K. Pritzker, among those donating somewhere between 250000 to 499000 And others in the seven-figure category of the renovation included Abbott Archer Daniels Midland Company, Caterpillar, CME Group, Exelon, Illinois Tool Works, uh, Tool Works and Northern Trust. So it's interesting, uh, J.B. Pritzker pitching in on the governor's mansion, both sides of the aisle there, but uh, maybe he's got thinking that, hey, I'm going to win, I'm going to live there, and uh, he's pitching in to help out as well. So, hey, that's good. They both helped out, on, uh, both Rauner and Pritzker, spending some of their money on that, which uh, that needed it from what I was told. I had not been in there, but I heard it needed it. 9.31 here at uh, DWS. Your phone calls, emails, and texts are welcome. Open line up until 10. Greg Abbott after the news at 10, retiring MedCAD director. And we'll continue after this, after the news with Michael Kaiser. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. 
That was uh, Taylor Hicks. He had the number one song. Remember him from American Idol? He won it in 2006. His uh, song there, Do You I uh, Make You Proud, was number one on this day, this week, on the Billboard charts. And that was about it for him. But uh, Taylor Hicks, when American Idol was really at its peak there in the early going, so uh, that is a little bit of a today in history. This day, 1914, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, his wife assassinated as well in Sarajevo by a Serb nationalist that triggered World War I. And then five years later, after all the fighting, the Treaty of Versailles signed in France, officially ending World War I. You want to find out about some of the uh, divisions across the Middle East and in different parts of the world, you should uh, read up on the Treaty of Versailles. You'd be shocked at how much of an impact that had on the world we live in today. And I meant to get to this yesterday, uh, excuse me, yesterday, uh, June 26, 1968. It was the uh, 50th anniversary of Bob Gibson of the Cardinals shutting out the Pirates on four hits. It was his uh, fifth consecutive shutout. Uh, in those five games, he had uh, nine innings, no runs against Houston. At Atlanta, nine innings, no runs, five hits. Cincinnati, nine innings, no runs, and four hits with 13 strikeouts. Against the Cubs as part of that stretch, nine innings, no runs, five hits, and a walk, six strikeouts. And against Pittsburgh, the next game against the Dodgers, he finally allowed a run, just one in nine innings, and he pitched three shutouts in the next four games. So this was part of the stretch, June 26th, yesterday, 1968, first game of a doubleheader in St. Louis. Another shutout for Bob Gibson. And in a 10-game stretch that year in 1968, remember how dominant he was, 90 innings, two runs allowed, 51 hits, 12 walks, and 74 strikeouts. Finished the year 22-9 and nine and had an ERA of just over 1. 1.12. That's amazing. All right, back to the phones we go here. We're to open line. Whatever's on your mind today, if you have something you want to bring up, feel free to do that, no matter what area it's in. Talking a lot about the Supreme Court, uh, Anthony Kennedy announcing his retirement. That has sparked a lot of uh, conversation nationally, and it's only the beginning. Folks, it's going to be talked about for the next several months. Let's go to uh, Brian. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. Brian, the reason uh, they lowered the mound uh, after Bob Gibson's 1.12 ERA, <laughs> you know. Yes, they did. They figured it was uh, too much of an advantage for the pitcher. Yeah, that's quite a stretch, though. Wow. Yeah. There was a few pitchers that had ERAs under two point that year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, the uh, reason I called is uh, I fully expect uh, Trump to uh, nominate a Supreme Court justice probably in the next month or two. But I don't think it'll be uh, really voted on till next spring. I think it's going to get tied up in, in Washington. I mean, uh, the Republicans only have, what, a 51-49 voting edge in the Senate, and mm -hmm. John McCain is uh, all but expired. And uh, if the Republicans control the Senate uh, into the next uh, couple of years, I fully expect uh, 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg will probably either retire or croak in office, you know, and uh, Trump will get, yeah, he'll get another bite of the apple then. Hmm. So you don't think it'll get voted on, it'll it'll be stalled and delayed and all of that until, I mean, uh, Mitch McConnell kind of controls the time frame, though. He can... He can get the votes. Well, he's going to have to get the votes, though. Yeah. I think it's going to be uh, you're, it's going to be ugly. Well, you know, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, since going back to Robert Bork, it's been uh, you know that was the one of the early lightning rod ones. Um, these oh, things have become more and more contentious. Oh, and the uh, Clarence Thomas hearings. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was on TV for weeks and. He got out there and said, uh, this is nothing but a high-tech lynching for an uppity black who dares to think uh, differently than, you know, what uh, what he's supposed to, you know. Well, the rule is now, of course, they changed uh, the rule here a couple of years ago, which is to the Democrats' uh, disadvantage now, is now it's just a simple, you know, majority to get past a filibuster. You could always filibuster a nominee, you know, for, for a long time, and, and now it's just simple majority. It'll be interesting what these uh, Democrats in the states Trump won uh, handily, what they're going to do. Yeah. No, there's the big ones. What is it? Uh, West Virginia is one obvious one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some other ones out there, too. Um, North Dakota. Yeah, North Dakota. I think Indiana's another one. So Yeah, uh, they're going to be on the hot seat. No, that's right. And uh, there's usually a couple of, you know, you've got Susan Collins in Maine and you've got Murkowski in Alaska. Um, those are always a couple of unpredictable ones, too, on the other side. You know, you know, the Republicans are the only ones that have swing votes in the Senate. You know, there's always the gang of six or eight or whatever that, uh, of course, McCain was part of that. But uh, the Democrats, uh, they vote in lockstep. Generally, if the leadership wants it, they're pretty much on board. I would say that's uh, particularly true in the House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Good to visit with you for a few minutes. Yeah, the uh, there. I guess there's 25. There's a list of 25. I'm not, not going to read them all. Of uh, I guess Trump had put out a list right when he was running for president, right before he became president, of uh, judges he would pick from, and they're from all over the place: Pennsylvania, Missouri, Colorado, Maryland, Michigan. A lot of judges. Couple of politicians. I think somebody mentioned Ted Cruz at one point. Uh, I don't see him on this list, but there's uh, it's this list of 25, 26 names uh, you can go through. You can look it up, but uh, just Google it. You can find it. Three five six nine three nine seven is the uh, phone number. Let's go back to the phones here at nine forty five on this uh, Thursday. Good morning, Greg. Hello, Brian. Hey, I read the uh, story in the News Gazette about the state trooper that hit the woman down in Decatur several months ago. Mm-hmm. Did you did you read that? Is it in today's or was it, was it Sunday? I didn't read it all Sunday, but go ahead and I just... I think it was. Okay. But it said that this uh, Pendleton guy had shot this Muhammad police officer and he had, took, he had fled the scene. I think he had crashed his vehicle. And in the meantime, this trooper heard the call from uh, for the officer been shot... He was in Decatur, and he was en route to uh, to Muhammad. Well, as soon as that as soon as that guy crashed that car and took off, 
they no longer had any description of anything he was driving. They should have, should have called that guy and told him to, to slow down. He was driving an unmarked car over 100 miles an hour on Oakland Street in Decatur at night. And it said in the paper the only lights, emergency lights he had was one light in his grill, which I think is probably a mistake. Every unmarked state police car I've ever seen has lights inside and, and in the back window and in flashing lights, headlights and grill mm-hmm. lights. Mm-hmm. But also in that story, I, I found it interesting that they said that this guy was a supervisor. He was a shift commander of, I think, nine counties. And there was only, there was him and one other trooper on duty on a Saturday night in nine counties. I find that kind of hard to believe. Hmm. I wonder if uh, a budget had to do with that. I mean, are they are they shorthanded? I don't think they are. I mean, I I look at the state budget. The state police seem to have all the money they they need. But I I thought that was amazing. You know, if we had a snowstorm and IDOT had two snowplows out in nine counties, you'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking up that story. I remember the story you're talking about now. Uh, that was from a couple of years ago, right? Well, it was last fall. I last think. fall was it that that recent? Okay. You know, right. The uh, the uh, state police, I'll never tell you how many people they've got out patrolling their, their districts, but I would guess right now in the nine-county area there, there might be four, possibly six. And at hmm. this time of the day, three or four of those could easily be in traffic court, which leaves the highways unpatrolled. But uh, maybe hmm. uh, Trooper Lillard could call in and, and tell us why we're not getting the patrol that we're paying for. Hmm. Yeah, that we should, we should have her on and just talk not only that but other issues too related to that. But but I mean, know. my God, two two people on duty and one of them's a supervisor in nine counties. Hmm. Those guys, if they drove a hundred miles an hour in an eight-hour shift, they could never cover all the state highways, let alone handle any calls for service. No, that's uh, that's a but wide I, area, nine counties. There's no doubt about that. It is. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, that's a tough job. I wouldn't want to be a trooper out there by myself uh, on a traffic stop having trouble. Somebody call for help, and they'd say, well, we'll get somebody down there in an hour or whenever you can get there, hmm. you know. Well, yeah, I'll have to ask somebody. I don't know how what the numbers are. I mean, I know you're talking about the story in the paper. I just, um, I'm curious now to know how many state troopers are out there on a, on a daily basis. I don't know. You know, when I worked at, when I worked at IDOT 20 years ago, we would see 10 or 15 on a day shift out there. Mm-hmm. Same guys all the time. But, you know, I don't know where they're at. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. If they're well, down. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe somebody from the state police could tell us about that. Maybe so, yeah. I'll, I'll look into okay, that. Brian. Okay, thanks, Greg. All right, thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Yep. Anybody know about that? Any uh, in, insight you can give us? I, mean, I It's a general question. How many state police are there on a typical day? That's a question, I think, for Tracy Lillard, but... But uh, maybe somebody knows that has been involved with the state police or you've worked there or you're familiar with it. Let's see here. Uh, email from Jack. He says, what you described is a perfect example of why we need to continue to pick constitutional conservatives to the Supreme Court. Kennedy, O'Connor, Roberts have all shown they don't just vote to right or left. They look at the law and decide without regard to how the bases feel. He says the Obama-Clinton liberal judges have shown they want to just legislate from the bench and vote what the left want. They never vote against the left. 
Sotomayor said in her dissension to this most recent decision that this would hurt the unions financially. But was, what does that have to do with whether those laws are constitutional? There was an article about all of that uh, today. I was reading in Politico. It said uh, President Trump was crowing about the victory on Twitter uh, with the uh, Janus versus AFSCME ruling yesterday but uh, misrepresented the purpose of the fees, claiming workers are now able to support a candidate of his or her choice without having those who control the union deciding for them. Under Abood, agency fees were already barred from being used to support political candidates. The lawyers arguing for the plaintiff, Mark Janus, an Illinois state worker who declined to join the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, or ASFI, never claimed that this wall had been breached. Rather, they argued that all non-political activities undertaken by a public employee union, including collective bargaining, were inherently political because they concern the expenditure of public funds. And in this article in Politico, it says what the president did get right was that the decision was a big loss for the coffers of the Democrats. Government unions account for about 6% of the money spent on Democratic candidates in federal elections, And that doesn't include significant in-kind contributions that these unions provide through such activities as phone banks, door-to-door leafleting, and driving voters to the polls on Election Day. The ruling means unions will have to redirect funds toward internal organizing efforts to staunch the flow of workers who might want to leave the union. Unions have complained the right to work creates a free rider problem for unions wherein members acquire a financial incentive to quit the union because they can still enjoy its benefits without paying member dues or non-member fair share or agency fees. But uh, Janice maintained that the payments he was compelled to pay AFSCME violated his First Amendment rights because the public employee wages and benefits AFSCME sought to influence were matters of government policy. Text in on the uh, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, says the Democratic Party has gone socialist. A uh, text here says, I may be wrong here, but wasn't Bruce Rauner the one who reached out to the private sector for funding for the mansion? If so, sounds like a huge cost savings for taxpayers. That is from Dan. And another text in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line here on our open line segment. Democrats will try to push back the court until after the elections. That was what Brian was uh, saying in his phone call a little bit earlier. Three five six nine three nine seven. Text line always available. It's always open. Twenty four seven, right? Two one seven three five one five three five seven. And you can email us talk at WDWS dot com. Back to the phones here. Jeff jumps in with us. Hi, Jeff. Hi, how you doing? Good. Um, I can tell you uh there again I drive a truck mm-hmm. and I can tell you that I've had conversations with state police, Well, and I've called in uh, to Posotum as well, and there are certain times when there's only like two or three two or three out on the street, out on the interstates at any given time, and I personally thought that was rather skimpy. Um, but I can also tell you, I'm passing one right now, ironically enough, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I can also tell you, that there has been a dramatic increase. I do not know how this is capable. I question it myself, but there has been a dramatic increase in both city and county cops out in the center medians. Um, you know, 
basically wherever you go up and down the, the interstates in the state. Um, hmm. I, I can only believe that they've had they've made some type of a uh, agreement with the state. You know, um, I see them pulling cars over all the time, and it's like, how is that possible? But uh, but nonetheless, hmm. I've seen a dramatic decrease in the number of of state police cars out out on the highways, and I can only I can only believe that it's because. Springfield's just not funding them the way that they need to hmm. fund them. So you've seen more like certain city uh, policemen sitting oh, yeah. in the in the those turnaround things in the in the highway. Yeah. Now there's two there's two specific areas where that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Number one is Springfield. And number two is is Chicago. You know, they're always. I, as a matter of fact, I I try to avoid Chicago, um, and I try to avoid Springfield specifically. <laughs> for those two reasons and i can't i can't you know i i don't know why that is but there is there's a hopped up uh um visual of police state police near springfield and up in chicago Hmm. um i hadn't i hadn't noticed that it seems to me that everyone i whenever i drive in chicago it seems like everybody's going a lot faster than the speed limit in chicago yeah i mean if, if, if i go if i'm going 70 and I'm up there. I mean, people are blowing by me, and I'm like, "Is anybody?" And I, I never really. Maybe you've seen them. I, I rarely see any police of any kind up there. I mean, it's like if they stop well, somebody in traffic, they'd cause a traffic jam. But right, yeah. And I've, I've also been told. Um, I've personally, when I first started driving, I was stopped up there, up, uh, I don't know, south, south of the city, and I said everybody's flying by me you know where am i supposed to be and he says well if you stay in specific this is as far as trucks are concerned if you stay in certain lanes um and flow with the traffic then you're going to be okay so i'm assuming that as you know the other lanes just the same with cars and cars and smaller trucks that if you stay in the if you just stay in those lanes and flow with the traffic you're gonna be okay if you're trying to go 90 or you know or 100 (laughs) you know well you may get some new bracelets on your wrists you know, but but uh, honestly, the cops up there go faster than the cars do, just like they do on you know any other highway. Mm-hmm. And you're right, they're they're pretty lean. You know, for the number of for the amount of traffic that you see, they are pretty lean. Yeah, but, because you you get you're right, and I'll get there a little uh, up by Lincoln Highway and Vollmer Road and all that. You know, just south around I-80. I think the right. limit's like 60 or something. I mean, it's a little lower. But I'm it going, is. boy, if I go that, I'm going to get run over because everybody's just blowing right around me and by me. So, Yeah, it's almost, as they, it's almost as though they don't care if they get stopped. You know, it's a minor inconvenience. <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Well, you, you truck drivers but, seem to know a lot of stuff. I mean, you've, you've experienced it all. So, I don't know about all of it. I yeah. don't want to experience all yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> But but you're kind yeah, of the uh, I guess what I mean is you're kind of the eyes and ears for people. I mean you 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 know you you have a good read on what's going on out there. So yeah, you know and and you know there's a little bit of a um, I don't know that I don't want to say a misconception because some some drivers are in fact this way. Some guys I just I was in my personal car what two days ago and there was a there was a driver going eighty, you know a truck driver going eighty and I'm like no 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 no. I called the guy into the state police, um, you know, 
truck drivers get a bad name sometimes because of, of the bad drivers. And honestly, that's why they need the presence out there is because the bad drivers. And you're right. We see some stupid, stupid stuff. And, you know, the people say, well, that won't, you know, we see, we see on these signs going across the highway, you know, 485 road deaths in Illinois this year. I saw it just like two days ago. And it's like, if people wouldn't be so stupid when they're driving, everybody has this, it won't happen to me mentality. Okay, you ask yourself, why won't it happen to you? You're just an ordinary average person just like anybody else is. Why won't it happen to you? Mm -hmm. You go to some of those funerals and tell them that it shouldn't happen to them, but it did. Yeah. And, no. and all the, all the people have to do is just drive. Don't yeah. be on your phone. Don't be on your, you know, looking at the Internet. And everybody does it. Yeah. Everybody does it. Yeah. Anyway. That's... Hey, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate your input hey. today. Uh, not a problem. Take care. All right. Have a great day. That's uh, Jeff with us here this morning, 356-9397. We're at 959. We'll have Greg Abbott join us. If you know Greg, uh, he's, been, well, he's been here for 39 and a half years. I'm sure there's a few of you that know Greg or have worked for him or with him over the years at MetCAD. We'll talk about MetCAD a little bit, its mission, what it does, uh, how things have evolved over the years, what's changed at MetCAD, the whole 911 setup. Why do they ask a lot of questions when you call in in an emergency? Why is that? What are, what are they trying to do? So we'll, we'll get into some of that here in our number two. Appreciate all the phone calls, emails, and texts this morning. I've had uh, several texts that have come in over the course of the uh, show here this first hour. We'll continue with more after the news at uh, 10 o'clock. Tomorrow, an open line in the first hour. The second hour uh, will be Flashback Friday. Last Friday of the month, last hour of that last Friday. The news is next at 10. WDWS Champaign-Urbana at the Tone, 10 a.m. Central. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-3357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. Welcome back. Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS. We had our open line segment the first hour. We've got a guest for you in studio here in the second hour. And uh, tomorrow we've got an open line the first hour and then flashback Friday to close out the week and the month. And uh, June is ending here and July 1 is coming up on Sunday. May talk a little bit about ice cream and independence tomorrow too. Just a reminder about when all that happens on Sunday. 356-9397 is our phone number. You can text us. Castle Heating and Cooling text line 3515357. You can email us talk at wdws.com. We were talking about Illinois State Police right before the top of the hour and uh, John emailed me. He said ISP might have four to five on days and as little as two on midnights. Talking about certain areas. We were talking about how many uh, state troopers are out there at any one time. And so John sent me that on my email. Glad to be with you today. Uh, I want to remind you, uh, Woods uh, Basement family uh, there has helped with over 55,000 homeowners since 1986. Goes back well over 30 years. Wall cracks are a problem, of course. Mold, pests of all types and smells, especially with the way the air conditioners are running these days and will be this weekend. 
Mold loves to uh, take advantage of that. It evaporates up and into your home. So take care of those leaks, the water issues we've had. Of course, uh, now with all the heat, it's going to turn everything up again. So uh, two things happen with cracks. They get worse if you ignore them, and they keep stealing value from your home until the cause is fixed. So uh, how can it uh, cost you if you don't do anything? Well, it'll uh, get worse. The cracks will, and they keep stealing value from the home until the cause is fixed. Here's the number to call for free estimate, Woods Basement Systems, 888-935-4333. Go to woodsbasementsystems.com. Quick uh, text in, says, Brian, wouldn't it have been great that on that historical day in 1776 that our U.S. Constitution would have had these amendments? Number one, slavery is hereby abolished in the U.S. And number two, the right to vote is afforded to all men and women. That uh, text in on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line from Tom. Greg Abbott is here, Deputy Director Metcad. He's retiring tomorrow. I am. So, so what do you do when you're not, <clears throat> when you well, know you're going to be done in a day? It's uh, it's a very weird feeling after 38 and a half years to be, you know, pulling the plug. But <laughs> there's great people there to carry the torch, so they'll they'll continue on just fine. You're the deputy director. How long have you had that title? I've had that title for I think about five years. I was technically the 911 coordinator before that, but still had the basically the same duties. When Ralph Caldwell, the current director, came in, he reorganized and mm-hmm. uh, made us deputy directors. Thirty-eight and a half years in one so, place. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite a record. I think it's too long for one place. I probably should have moved on when I was younger, but it's been a phenomenal career, and I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, so you were pretty young then when you started, right? Yeah, I was, mm-hmm. uh, actually, I was 19 when I walked in the door. So started mm-hmm. as two-fifths time and then eventually went to four-fifths time and then full-time. Two-fifths time. Yeah, how's two-fifths, that work? Just working two days a week, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Greg Abbott is retiring. He's the deputy director of METCAD. He'll no longer be on call after 38 and a half years. He's with us here today in this second hour. If you'd like to wish him well, if you've got some thoughts on METCAD and what uh, all the great work they do, uh, feel free to give us a call. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling text line. We'll get those to him and the email address as well. So uh, why retire? What, what uh you move well, up to Madison, right? I'm moving up to Madison, Wisconsin. That's where my husband is working, mm-hmm. and uh, it's time to get back under the same roof. We've been mm-hmm. apart for four and a half years and too long. Now, you also so. do work for the football games, right? Yeah, I assist with the university police and uh, DIA with the command post for security at football games. All right, and you're going to keep doing that? Or? I'm going to do it for one, one more year. I'm sure you know Holly Stalkup. She oh, talked yeah. me into coming back one more season because that's independent of my job at Metcad, So Yeah. I'll be back. Yeah, well, it's great to have you here. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank a lot you of for changes uh, with Metcat over the years. We'll get into some of that. There have been, yes. Um, along the way. We have a caller for you, though, I think. Rick is uh, waiting. Hi, Rick. Yes. Uh, hi. Hi. Uh, uh, just wanted to ask a quick question, Greg. I know you guys are just getting started. There are many, many people in town that have uh, home scanners. And uh, I, I'm sure that a lot of seniors have them because it's, it's uh, very entertaining to listening to. And I have a portable scanner, and I walk a lot. People who know me and uh, know that I walk a lot in the area. And I take it uh, with me, and always uh, interesting to listen to the calls. Uh, it's not every day, every week, every month, but sometimes I am able to call in stuff that I see that I've heard on the scanner. About a year ago, the gentleman that... Uh, had just robbed the Regions Bank, walked by me on uh, on Willis over by
by Clark Park, and about a uh, uh, block later, passing him, I heard on the scanner that regions had just been held up and what the gentleman looked like. I called it in, uh, and I said, well, that gentleman just passed me going south on uh, Willis, and, uh, you know, within a minute, two uh, police cars were cruising around in the area, which was good. Um, my question to you is, is that I know that you have been one of the uh, champions of uh, leaving uh, at least the main police calls, uh, the main channel, from being um, um, encrypted. Uh, I know that they say on the, uh, I hear them say uh, all units go to uh, uh, unit uh, such and such, a side unit or whatever, you know, that the average uh, public can't hear on scanners, which I understand why they do that because of the safety thing. But the main channel, I know that you have been uh, the main guy that has kept that uh, from being changed. And <clears throat> with you leaving, I just wanted to call in and thank you for all you've done through the years to keep that so that the average Joe can can hear, you know, at least one police channel. Uh, do you know when you leave if that's going to all be changed and uh, all the channels are going to be changed to uh, um, to being, uh, um, uh, you know, blocked yeah, or for the average person mm -hmm. listen yeah. to? Yeah, there's currently no plan to do that. Uh, unfortunately, our uh, societal changes and some of the attacks on police and fire uh, personnel, you never know when that could occur. We take that lead from the uh, the police departments and the fire departments sure. on sure. if they want to be encrypted. So, you know, it uh, it could happen, but they may decide to keep it uh, keep you know the primary channels in the open, which is what. I, I believe the model we follow is good, that we have encrypted channels that people can go to if they need to talk, you know, confidentially or securely. But most of the traffic that they have is not critical, so it's very easy for them to operate on a clear channel. Uh, but you just never know. With the changes in our society, I could easily see that decision happening. You see more and more areas doing that. Hmm. Sure. Okay. Well, well again, uh, thank you for all you've done through the years, Greg, uh, uh, our paths have crossed in the past and um, through uh, mainly Channel 3, and I uh, always enjoyed uh, working with you, and thanks for all you've done to keep those those main channels uh, open, and and uh, wish you well, and, and hopefully they will, uh, you know, stay open. All right. Uh, so, that, so, so that the average person can uh, listen to the calls. Well, thank right. you. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate okay. that. Yeah, you have to work uh, with METCAD. First of all, let's tell people, most people know what it is, but METCAD stands for what? It's a Metropolitan Computer-Aided Dispatch, and we're the 911 Center for Champaign County. Uh, if you call 911 anywhere in Champaign County, it's our staff that you reach. Mm -hmm. Started back in 1975, S right? 79. 79, actually. okay. Yeah, so I was about six months behind the, mm -hmm. the start of it. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, at the time, the Champaign and Urbana Councils approved a policy and funding for Consolidated Police Communications, that was in 75, and then 78, formal agreement for MedCat approved, and then it begins in June 3rd, 1979. Yeah, it took them so. several years to get the groundwork in place, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, at, at first we just dispatched police, and it was just Champaign-Urbana and University Police. Mm -hmm. And um, um, you have to work with a lot of people. I mean, <laughs> you, we have to work in conjunction, the police, you talk about the right. encryption and all of that, but radio, TV... There's a lot it's, of angles and to this. all the vendors that support all the various systems that we operate and the telephone companies for the 911 databases and how all the 911 calls get routed, which has gotten much more complex over the last decade with wireless becoming so prolific and mm -hmm. the uh, voice over Internet phone service. 
We're going to talk some more about that, the technology and everything that's uh, happened over the years. Greg Abbott is with us. He's the retiring deputy director of METCAD, was there for 38 and a half years. So everybody, I think, kind of knows him. But uh, here's Mark. <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. Good morning, Gregor. Hey, Mark. Uh, I want to just uh, say thanks for all your help. Uh, METCAD started out as one of the first consolidated dispatch centers in the United States, and certainly um, 39 years later is, is has one of the largest uh, areas and geographical and, and the number of uh, departments that they do for. But uh, it's in large part due to your uh, outstanding work that you did uh, for the citizens of Champaign County that an officer, um, you know, from another jurisdiction can in- immediately be patched into uh, the radio system. So it doesn't matter if he's with the state police, conservation department, if there's, God forbid, a school shooting like was at Stoneman Douglas where the officers couldn't talk to each other while they were all in the same building. We don't have that problem here in Champaign County, due in large part to your uh, stewardship and vision. So uh, the the citizens of Champaign owe you a big, big, big uh, thank you. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit real quick about your efforts to save the Fourth of July fireworks, because you were on when they were having trouble funding. You uh, got together with a group of other volunteers and started doing mass mailings to uh, make sure that the fireworks are uh, sufficiently funded every year. A small thing, but <laughs> Champaign-Urbana needs the fireworks. Well, thank you, Mark. It's That's been a pleasure sure. working with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good, good Mark. Up in Madison. Those, those are you. kind comments. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye. Yeah. So, uh, tell me about how that the fireworks story. What, well, the freedom the celebration. That? You know, almost every year they struggle for funding, and uh, mm-hmm. we just made a few uh, changes to how the list were processed because uh, they'd always done mailings, but we made it a little more refined and focused, and uh, seemed to help. And then the corporate uh, sponsorship has stepped up over the years. I stepped off the board. I think. 11 years ago. Greg Abbott is with us. He's the deputy director of METCAD for today and tomorrow, and then he's retiring, going up to uh, Badger Country. Uh, there <laughs> Don't hold in, that against uh, me. Ma- I won't hold it against you. <laughs> Badgers are okay. So those people from Michigan, you know, that we know. I'll still but, be at the <laughs> games when Illinois is up there wearing orange and blues. So. There you go, well, at Camp Randall Stadium. Talk about what Mark was talking about, the communication between the different um, departments. I mean, how essential is that? Well, and, and, and um, was that hard to get done? Yeah, in 2000, uh, about 2002, uh, our policy board, which we've been blessed with just phenomenal policy boards uh, ever since Mac had started, um, they uh, had the, the vision that interoperability, which is what it's called, was very important that all police officers could talk to each other as well as interdisciplinary from fire to police and vice versa. And so they made the decision to go ahead and make an investment. It was a sizable investment. The first piece was approaching $8 million to build a radio system that truly everybody could talk on. Mm -hmm. And like Mark talked about, there have been a number of celebrated incidents. And if you go back all the way to Hurricane Andrew and look at some of the issues out in the after-action reports, one of the major things is communications, that people couldn't talk. Well, in Champaign County, we've solved that by putting everybody on the same radio system. So whether it's a public works unit or a fire unit or an EMS unit, you know, they can all communicate at a major incident, which has just been huge. Is that common? Or is that, are we, uh, are we we're, we're kind of, a, we're, we're ahead of the curve just because it is very costly to implement and because we have um, the METCAD concept is sharing resources, it's a lot easier to make those large purchases because you don't have 
you know, some counties in Illinois have like 13 or 16 911 centers where you have to fund the same equipment at all those centers. Mm. So that's one of the benefits to consolidation. Is it a little unique here just because we have two, we have twin cities? Does that mean yeah, we're not just an isolated city by itself? This is multi-layered yeah, it, organization. It, it is, uh, it's a benefit, and I don't think the average citizen realizes how well all the first responders play in the sandbox together. You know, if somebody needs help, it doesn't, you know, jurisdictional boundaries go out the, out the window, and everybody goes to help. Mm-hmm. That's real important. All right, back to the phones here for Greg Abbott. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Greg, Mike Coble, how are you? Good, Mike. How are you? <laughs> on my way to the, the Speedway to work this weekend. I won't make your soiree tomorrow, but I want to express what everybody else has. You've been just a, a godsend to Champaign County and beyond. Proud to know you professionally and as a friend since way back junior high days. It, uh, it's been a long time. It has, and I'm not too far behind you, so maybe I'll come knocking on your door. You and Adam up in Wisconsin one of these days. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. It's a beautiful area up there. Okay. All right. You take care. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Mike. Right. Thanks for all you've done for the community as well. Thank you, oh, Mike. Ten twenty-four. We're here with Greg Abbott. Back with more after this timeout on Penny for Your Thoughts. Ten twenty-six here on Penny for Your Thoughts. If you have some comments for Greg Abbott, he's the retiring deputy director of MetCAD. Has been there nearly forty years, thirty-eight and a half years. Some of the uh, milestones along the way. Uh, we mentioned when they started June of nineteen seventy-nine. Uh, Lieutenant Thomas Whipple was the uh, Assigned to Metcat as the director in August of 1980. They've had other directors as well. Uh, 1988, Firecom Fire Dispatching consolidated with Metcad. November of 1988, voters approved a 75-cent phone surcharge to pay for 911 dispatch service. And we'll talk about 911 a little bit after the news, but that was a big step at that point, right? Yeah, I think uh, establishing 911 was probably one of the biggest positives that MECHED's done for the community as a whole as far as public safety goes. And it's easy to remember. Yeah, and, and that's you know, that was the intent of it. And it's if you go back to the old rotary phone day, days, if you remember those, mm-hmm. it was actually designed so that you could easily find the 9 and the 1 on the phone and make the call. So that's how they came up with that? Yeah. Because that- England uses, well, depending on where you go, there's... Uh, 111 and 999. There's several different emergency numbers around the world, but here at least it's completely 911. And we'll talk about uh, what happened when we went wireless in the early 90s. That created some issues as well. And uh, we'll also get into some of the other historical uh, marks along the way for MedCat, how it's changed uh, the way things happen. Somebody was mentioning the scanners. My grandmother had a scanner. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a lot of people out there. Uh, there that, are more people than we realize. Yeah, have those. it's their. I think it's their evening entertainment. Instead of turning on the TV, they turn on the scanner. And when I get home, I don't want to hear a radio. It's, <laughs> it's, people ask me, "What type of scanner do you have?" I'm going, "I don't own one," and I honestly don't. So now I may buy one after I move to Madison, but we'll, we'll see. How many people work at MetCAD? What uh, um, we have uh, 40 employees. Um, there's uh, 31 dispatchers and then nine administrative staff members. Yeah. What do you look for in a good dispatcher? What, you know, it's uh, it's really hard to to fill that role, and uh, we uh, we always struggle trying to find that good person. But it's got to be a person who can multitask and is sort of rapid fire because you've got stuff coming at you from all directions that you've got to rapidly process and then mm-hmm. get out to 
the first responders or you know whatever mm-hmm. the the problem is uh, yeah. but multitasking is a big thing that's just hard for people to talk on the radio and uh, and listen to somebody on the phone and yeah. it's it's challenging i i don't think i could go in and do that job i did that for 13 years when i first started mm-hmm. and I don't think I could go back and do that job. I don't today. think I could. We have a lot uh, doing play-by-play. You get a lot of stuff. Yeah. But my ace is not life and death. You know, if I miss a play, okay. But if these yeah. dispatchers miss something, I mean, it, it could be it, somebody's it life. It takes about life. six months to train somebody now, and the mm-hmm. it's a very comprehensive training program that uh, one of our supervisors, Karen Clevenger, is largely responsible for building that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's been quite a interesting process we're here with greg abbott he's the deputy director for another two days here today and tomorrow of uh, metcad does great work in our community if you have some comments questions i've got some frequently asked questions that they get uh, we'll get to some of those and talk about 911 and all of that with uh, greg abbott but uh, michael kaiser next with the news headlines back with more penny after this On Penny for your thoughts on this Thursday, we had an open line the first hour. A lot of talk about immigration and uh, Anthony Kennedy and all of that. We're in the second hour here with our guest, uh, Greg Abbott. Uh, not to be confused with the governor of Texas, by the way. <laughs> you, do you ever get that? Please, please don't. Yes. <laughs> well, he's uh, he's down there. Has the same name. I think it's even spelled the same, isn't it? Yeah, I was in yeah. an airport one time, and one of the flight attendants or somebody made a, a, a comment about it. I said, nope, that's not me. <laughs> not, not the governor. Although I, maybe I should have said it was me because I might have gotten like priority uh, boarding. Or priority seating. <laughs> Talking about his retirement from MetCAD. And uh, if you have questions for him, why this, how that, or you want to congratulate him, feel free to uh, do that. MetCAD, of course, has developed uh, over time with wireless phones and 911 and some of the issues there. We'll get into that. Uh, for Greg Abbott, he says, the day shift will miss you. That's from Bradley Hardcastle. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. Telecommunicator 2, Communications Training Officer, MedCAD 911, Champaign County. We have such a phenomenal staff. Um, the dedication of everybody from the TCs to the technicians, I mean, just a, a great staff. And um, everybody there understands the importance of the role that we play. Talked about the uh, difficulty of training. You six months, you said, usually to train. What's the hardest thing? new people that come in have to learn it's probably of the lingo because there's a lot of codes and acronyms and you know there's a lot of things they have to remember the first three weeks are a a training academy so they have the dispatch computer in front of them and then uh, they listen to a lot of audio recordings of 911 calls and radio traffic and they, they practice putting things in the computer and how to take a description of a suspect and uh, calming techniques because that's a very important thing for people to to know because you'll hear it i'm guessing um i'm in an area i don't know much about but like in court cases mm-hmm. there's is there usually you get s- stuff subpoenaed or requested yeah, we, by the state's attorney it's a constant constant battle um the operations division gets all those requests not only from state's attorney and police departments but also a foia request from the public for various recordings and uh, transcripts and copies of dispatch tickets and things like mm-hmm. that are there certain i guess you have to do you have to use judgment on what you do release uh, right. depending there's, on what a there's a lot of information we can't release you know confidentiality is important so what is released is often heavily redacted because you can't you know disseminate names and dates of birth and any you know the identifying uh, characteristics mm-hmm. but if it's an ongoing investigation uh, we will not release anything until the police department has 
uh, told us that it's okay to release it. Three five six nine three nine seven. Greg Abbott is the retiring deputy director at MetCAD. Uh, he is done as of tomorrow. He's with us today. Karen is with us. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. Congratulations on your retirement. And from everybody who's calling in, it sounds like you've made an extraordinary contribution. To well, thank community. you. Um, I just have like a procedural question. One of the news stories that's been most disturbing this year, I think, is the story about um, the kid who was trapped in his van and got trapped in the seats and called into Metcad or 911, and he got through twice. And that dispatcher didn't believe him, and the kid died. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the incident you're speaking of. It was very tragic. It was not in Champaign County, I know that, so, I know that. But um, the question I had is, like, what is the procedure? What are these disp- Are they supposed to make a judgment whether the call is valid? And, I mean, boy, that was a big mistake there. So... How do you, how do people get trained as far as like is it up to them to decide whether it's a, a fake or or a fraudulent um, a call? Well, the uh, you know the dispatchers have a very difficult job trying to determine what's going on, listening to um, you know the person talking to them on the phone alone, and mm-hmm. in that case they could not establish two-way communication with him, even though he was speaking. Apparently, the dispatcher could not hear what he was saying that's my understanding at least um but in in all cases we would send officers like they did you know they did send officers to the the uh, latitude longitude that the phone was reporting uh but unfortunately the officers were unable to find the vehicle yeah i think he was in like a school parking lot or something i so believe that's didn't... correct in a that was a minivan was that in the state of illinois no it was out east out east okay. uh, somewhere but um, the thing but it was is, very tragic. Yeah. Uh, how did they get the recording then of his end of the conversation if she couldn't hear it? And why why couldn't she hear it? Well, the recordings, it's, uh, it's kind of complicated depending on how they're set up. The audio may actually be taken off the phone line at a different port than what she's actually connected to. Interesting. So. I, that's a surprise to me because, you know, he sounded very, very calm, actually, in his tone of voice. So... And then he he said, um, you know, if I die, tell my mother I love her. Hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's easy to interpret that as, um, you know, somebody just being, like, melodramatic and just trying to, you know, that, that it wouldn't be legitimate because the kid sounded so calm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you so that's this is like a whole different perspective. If she couldn't even hear that, then that's completely, you know, it's different than mm-hmm. what I was interpreting and it's always easy to you know sit back and monday morning quarterback with listening to things after the fact when it's not going on live i'm not defending her actions because i think there were some procedural things that could have been done better but yeah it uh, well that's my question is like what how are the dispatchers trained when they get a call and do they at some point do they sometimes decide um this is a waste of time to send officers because it sounds like a fake you know, or did they make that decision? They they can make that decision. Uh, it's usually not a decision made by one person. Uh, we always have a lead uh, telecommunicator, too, in the room that uh, they can turn to and they can listen to the recordings and, uh, you know, as a group kind of make that decision. Or oftentimes they'll reach out to the police commander for the affected jurisdiction and say, hey, we've got this call. What do you want to do with it? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, that was a really sickening situation. Yeah, it sure was. Very, well, very thank tragic. You. Thank All right. You so well, much. thank you. Good luck with your future. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Okay. Bye bye. I would think part of the, um, and they do ask a lot of questions. They have to, right? They They're do, trained right. to do that. Right. A, lo- a line of questioning to try to yep, so figure out. Yes. There's a very specific line of questions that uh, the user agency has. Agencies have told us this is what we want to know about on every call. So they just methodically go through. It's more than you know what, when, where. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a lot of times people get upset. They don't realize that the person they're talking to may or may not be the person who's dispatching the call. In most cases, they're not. Mm-hmm. And especially if you get it to, like, emergency medical dispatch where we're really drilling down to help the first responders understand what they're walking into. Because a lot of times you'll hear a tape of someone's, you know, in, uh, an intruder and somebody's screaming right. and, they're, and they're upset and obviously they're, they're freaked out. I don't know what else to, how to describe it. Yeah. And they get that dispatcher gets that call. I, I'm amazed at how they even find out what's going on. Because and that's somebody where those calming techniques uh, yeah. come into play. That you you learn how to control that phone call and extract the information you need from the hysterical caller. Mm-hmm. And then at that time, are they then contacting or somebody else contacting police or how? Yeah, everything goes into the dispatch computer mm-hmm. and. You know, even if uh, for some reason, say, the Champaign police dispatcher happened to answer a telephone call and they were taking a hot call for Champaign, somebody else in the room is going to step in and dispatch that call. Hmm. So it's a it's a wonderful team yeah. effort and everybody pitches in and hmm. helps everybody else. That is that is amazing. Uh, back to the phones we go to Cindy for Greg Abbott. Go ahead, Cindy. Hi. Well, congratulations on leaving a very high-stress job. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. Um, but I did want to address what um, the former caller said. I have called and complained to a supervisor because of uh, the dismissive nature sometimes of, of the dispatcher. Uh, you know, the police tell you time and time again, if it feels uncomfortable, if you don't recognize the person in the neighborhood and you think something is weird, call and then you call and, the, and if the dispatchers well what are they doing illegal well that's not illegal well you know so I always just cut them off and say that's not your call talk you know please give this to an officer and let him decide because they'll say well walking down the street's not illegal and I've had that happen here in Champaign County a couple times when you know there are suspicious people are suspicious things going on and so it's kind of contradictory. They say, call in, and then you're grilled, and you're like, well, I'm just doing what the police say. Yeah, it is a so. fine line um, because, you know, if we, if you called in and said this guy's walking down the street and we tell an officer, hey, this lady says there's a guy walking down the street, the next question the officer's going to say, well, what's he doing? Well, he's just walking yeah. down the street. The officer's going to say, well, I'm not going to go because it's not illegal to walk yeah. down the street. So it's it's yeah. a fine line, and uh, it is. you know it's it's one of the things that we try to uh, teach our people about getting the questions so that they can have a clear understanding of what's going on, so the officer will have the full details of what they're looking for when they get there. Yeah, we found we have found a discrepancy sometimes between what the dispatch, what we what you've told dispatch, and what the officer showing up hears or knows or mm. tells you that he heard. Yeah. Um, that it's that it's different, you know. So I don't know how many uh, levels it has to go through, but um, but I can't imagine trying to figure that out. So just believe the people when they call you. All right. <laughs> so, thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Now there's Bye-bye. a there's a non-emergency number, right? That correct. People uh, call three 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 eight nine one one two one seven. Correct. So yeah. is that right. something maybe if you're would that fit more into that? 
category? Yeah, or? it's uh, it's kind of a difficult thing to teach people, and we always uh, tell people if you have to stop and think, are you going to call the non-emergency or the 911 number, just call 911, let us figure it out. But things like, you know, parking problems, loud music complaints, things that are not, you know, urgent in nature, mm-hmm. um, we would prefer to have on the 333 line because that way, you know, it's answered behind the 911 line, so they... They get uh, kind of like a triage in a, yeah, in exactly. a hospital. Exactly. Yeah. Back to the phones here for Greg Abbott. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Brian, and good morning, uh, Greg. I'm getting in a little late this morning, so I apologize if I'm uh, being repetitive at all. Uh, Greg, this is Pat Dixon, and uh, <laughs> I'd be a little remiss if I didn't call in and let Brian and uh, the listeners know uh, how high esteem I hold you in. Well, thank you, uh, our Pat. paths have not uh thank you greg our paths have not crossed in a while of course but brian i tell you i've always felt that you brian are bound for glory because you're a true professional and i can say the same thing about greg <laughs> uh i have had nothing but the utmost admiration for him and i tell you uh, even though like i say i haven't seen greg in quite a while but uh the citizens of champaign urbana savoy champaign county are very fortunate to have a, a person of Greg's caliber uh, working for MedCAD, working for the city. Uh, I know many a night that we're home uh, sound asleep in bed, and uh, Greg Abbott's down there at MedCAD at midnight, one or two in the morning, uh, putting wires together, trying to hold things together with duct tape, and uh, <laughs> and keeping things working. And Greg knows that's true. And and uh, I'm not I'm not gonna keep going on and on, but I, I hold you in very high regard, Greg. Look forward to seeing you in the, in the community, buying you a cup of coffee. And, and uh, I, for one, as a taxpayer of this community, appreciate the service over all the year, excuse me, over all the years, uh, not just in MedCAD, but in so many other ways that you have provided. Uh, you're, you're a class act, Greg, and I well, appreciate Thanks, Pat. I appreciate done. it. And likewise, it's been a pleasure working with you and your time at Mass Transit District. You know, you were the class act there. So uh, it was thanks, an honor Greg. working with you on the Freedom Celebration, too. Uh, Brian, we were talking about the Freedom mm-hmm. Celebration earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat and I went through the trenches there together and moving porta-potties even, Pat, if you remember <laughs> that. So. Yeah, trash cans <laughs> the night before, putting oh, in yeah. our cars, uh, oh, yeah. things that... Uh, but uh, Greg, good luck to you, buddy. You're you, uh, you you're nothing but the best. And Brian, thank you for giving me the time to tell it. Hey, you're very Thanks, welcome, Pat. Pat. Thank you. Okay, have a good day, gentlemen. Yep. We'll come back with Greg Abbott after this timeout. Penny for your thoughts on a Thursday. Back on Penny for your thoughts here with Greg Abbott, retiring deputy director of MetCAD. The springtime has come and gone. Summer's here. If you're hungry, looking for a great menu. List, go to the Beef House, Covington, Indiana. They've been there since 1964. Bob and Bonnie Wright, if you prefer pork over steak. I like steak. I like pork. I like them both. But uh, it's both great, and they've got barbecued boneless chicken. They've got the three-piece pan-fried chicken dinner. Maybe seafood is more your style. I am not a seafood guy. I will admit that. Closest thing I get to seafood is fish sticks. But uh, they've got everything. They do not have fish sticks. They've got grilled halibut. They've got shrimp. Sea scallops, king crab legs. You can go with a pasta dish. A lot of great sides. The famous rolls that Ed always gets. Multiple numbers of uh, rolls. Uh, You can put uh, butter, apple butter, strawberry jam. They're available for you at the Beef House. Whatever you like to eat, you'll definitely find it at the Beef House. Just off exit 4, I-74. 
Covington, Indiana. Great, Text, now I'm hungry. Now you're hungry. <laughs> Greg Abbott is retiring. He's got plenty of time to eat at the Beef House here soon. Of course, he'll have to come <laughs> from uh, Madison. Uh, text from John says, why isn't there a system established that could instantly notify the public via text of suspect or vehicle descriptions of crimes that were just committed, such as armed robberies or child abductions, et cetera? It's, uh, it's a complicated issue, um, getting the information in a format that will fit in a small, you know, like tweets of 120 characters, mm-hmm. trying to capture all that information into uh, a relatively small window like that sometimes creates more questions than it mm-hmm. solves uh, problems. And a lot of questions came up when cell phones came on board in 911. How do we know where we are with cell yeah, towers? That's all evolved, right? And now texting it's, here It's recently. evolved, and, yeah, and uh, two years ago we added text to 911. But, you know, the location is uh, is really hard to pinpoint in the old days where we knew where a pair of copper wires ended. It was really simple. Now it's sort of a, a nebulous uh, location and the computer systems do the best they can, but sometimes they will get it wrong. And the fact that people don't, a lot of people don't have landlines anymore. Right. Is that about complicated th- things? It's it's complicated things, and it, uh, it had impacts on our funding because until recently the, uh, there were two different surcharge rates. And as people took their landlines out, we lost 50% of our funding. Okay. Now at the legislative level, our director, Ralph Caldwell, has been instrumental in, uh, in the effort to, to make that They've gotten it back to something more equitable, but there's probably still more more funding needs mm-hmm. statewide. And it's funded on the surcharges, right? Right, on, the 911 surcharge, it mm-hmm. appears on your mm-hmm. phone bill. All right, back to the phones here for Greg Abbott. Got about seven minutes left here on our show today. Uh, Kathy is next. Hi, Kathy. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for your service to Champaign County, number one. You're welcome. Um, in your years that you've been there, what are the top five craziest days you know could be you know as as far as stories and how insanely busy you were and i'll call up and listen all right thanks kathy probably the craziest uh, day was 9-11 and everything that happened that day uh, and all the immediate efforts to try to figure out what was going on and what the risks were and that was uh extremely uh crazy what were people here calling um, you about well, it was uh, planning, trying to figure out where do we need to uh, position additional police officers. You know, what are those threat areas, and uh, mm-hmm. so that caused a lot of urgent meetings and and the unknown. People were started reporting a lot of things, which was good, mm-hmm. but it was uh, hectic for the dispatchers yeah. getting all those reports. Don't know if we have time for all five, but is yeah. there a couple more? Days and you know, you we've remember? had lightning strikes that you know work their way through uh, all the computers and electronics that take systems down and you're trying to keep operations running i always kind of equate it to doing brain surgery on a patient who's still awake you know, you're still expected to be there to take the calls but you've got to be making all these changes and mm-hmm. adaptations so do you have like a backup to the we, backup yeah we do have a backup, backup uh, dispatch center uh, that we're in the process of building actually out in west champaign mm-hmm. and that's going to be huge for them to have that resource available okay any other busy day Thanks. that covers the top two okay uh val is with us this morning at ten fifty four. hi val hey good morning good morning hey greg uh can't, i'd be remiss if i didn't re- reply on the stuff that pat dixon said he said it all and i want to thank you for keeping us safe you've done a, a great job and we uh we worked together on the freedom celebration a few years ago yep been a few years uh, that's back when Rick Kallmeyer and 
Kenny Horn and all those people. So I just want to thank you very much for all the service that you've given us and kept us safe all these years. Well, thanks, Val. It's been an honor to work with you, and thank you for all you've done for our community. Enjoy your retirement, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Val. Good call. 1055 here with the retiring Greg Abbott. It's got to make you feel good, right? Oh, yeah. All your hard work. So so many great people that I've had contact with over the decades. Let's go to uh, Stan. Good morning, Stan. Hey, good morning. Uh, congratulations, Greg. Uh, I was uh, in in the repair of the two-way electronics uh, for many years, and I uh, maintained or helped maintain uh, Metcad's equipment. Got to work with Greg on quite a few endeavors, and uh, always appreciated Greg and his uh, dedication to Metcad and uh, the community. Uh, just a pleasure, pleasure knowing Greg and being able to work with him over the years. Well, thanks, Dan. It's been a lot of fun, and you talk about people who hold the wires together. These, mm-hmm. This is the guy, and the technicians are truly the unsung heroes that keep all the systems working. And So thanks, Dan, for all that you've done for Metcad and for me over the years. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, sound guy. Uh, no one notices when they're doing their It's job, like Ed Bond. Everyone yeah. notices when they're not. Uh, it's kind of like referees, right, and umpires. Exactly. Yeah. Congratulations, Greg. I hope you get many years of fun retirement and uh, enjoy yourself, bro. All Thanks, right. Dan. Hey, thank you, Stan. Appreciate the phone call. Greg Abbott is with us here. He's retiring tomorrow. Carol Varell, who already retired. <laughs> You guys Welcome are doing to lunch. The land of retirees. Yeah, you're going to Thank lunch, you. I heard. Yes, my yeah. treat. Yeah. Oh, fun! Now Carol was our news director, and yes. I know you worked with Greg uh, very closely, right? Uh, yes, for probably 25 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And over that time, Greg, I just can't thank you enough for all of your help and and the time that you always took to explain things to me and let me come in and watch the dispatchers working and. I mean, you are awesome. Thank you for everything you've done, too, because a lot of times when we would have very complicated issues that we had to get the word out to the public, Carol would help me figure Mm -hmm. out how to break that down. And with uh, when we implemented 911, Mm -hmm. you and I spent a lot of time talking and. There were a lot of live TV shots in your former role. <laughs> in that, my uh, former role, she, uh, she coordinated. <laughs> so, no, thank you, Carol. We appreciate everything you've done for Metcad over the years. Well, well, Carol, I, I know you that. appreciate it being in news all these years, the coordination, the uh, cooperation there has to be between law enforcement, what Greg does, what we sure do. does. I mean, it's really important. It, it very important because, actually, we, we're here to help them. Mm-hmm. as well as trying to understand what's going on to tell the listeners and the mm-hmm. viewers of uh, trying to explain these really processes that deal with life and death. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get any more important than that. Yep. In a short amount of time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. somebody's in danger. I mean, you don't have time to, you know, you don't have tomorrow to figure it out. I mean, yeah, you've got to act now. And that's one of the reasons some things, you know, seem to fall through the the cracks because they're making mm-hmm. rapid fire decisions mm-hmm. and like i said it's easy to go back on monday morning and listen mm-hmm. to the tapes and say well they should have heard that or should have heard that well mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment not the, not that easy yeah yeah so you're going up yeah. to madison and uh yeah you're not going to get a scanner in your hand i, I, I probably won't i don't know <laughs> we'll, we'll see how much i miss it of course you can do it on your cell phone now too and you uh, know well that's it, what yeah. i do a lot of times <laughs> i'm still you know i see the 
police cars racing down the street and turning on my <laughs> cell phone. So it, it never well, the leaves. things are yeah. expensive, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, Greg, it's been great having you on. And obviously, you, you, you've got a lot of people who admire your work these last 38 and a half years. I've and I know you've worked with some great people. So it's thank you for all you've career. done. You're welcome. Thank Very you. Very good. Good luck in Matt. We, you know, come and say hi to us. Yeah, well, stop we, up and see us. We're on the ninth floor, just about above stadium, your booth. Just above my stadium, booth. So. I'm on the eighth floor. Yeah. But, uh, Say hi to us when we're up in uh, Bucky land when you, there. When you come Bucky, up, I'll buy you some cheese curds. Bucky Badger, that sounds I, good. I know the best cheese curds in Madison, so <laughs> okay. I already found those. That's the retiring <laughs> deputy director of uh, MetCAD, Greg Abbott, with us here. Carol Varell stopped in briefly at the end, thanks to all the phone calls, emails, and texts. Open line tomorrow at 9, flashback Friday at 10. And this is WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>